I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. It's not really much faith at all, but it's a teaching that you get to die for your God to make your God happy. Christians, we get to live for God to make our God happy. Jesus said, I, I come to bring you life, and not just life, but have life more abundantly. And uh, I think I'd rather serve a God that celebrates life more than he does death. Amen? It's a, it's, it's excited about serving a God that celebrates life. I have a lot of scriptures. It's going to be behind me. Uh, it's gonna, I'm not even going to ask you to turn. 2 Timothy 2. Uh, chapter 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Matthew 5, 11 through 12, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my, name, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Second Corinthians 11, 24 through 26, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Now think about that. On five different occasions, he was beat with 39 stripes. Five different occasions. And that's a lot of persecution just in itself, isn't it? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day I have been in the deep. In journeys often... In perils of waters, and in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, his own own people, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And Paul never had to have a psychiatrist. Paul never, not one time, which they didn't have it, but he didn't need a pill to to help him from depression. He didn't need it. I mean, look what he went through. You read it. Has anybody in this place you've suffered? I know. But has anybody in this room even come close to being uh, suffering to this extent? It's incredible. And he stood because he, he had foc- his focus on Jesus. Philippians 3 and 10, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And then one more uh, passage of Scripture. 1 Peter four twelve through 19 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery, dark, uh, fiery trial which ye ha- is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also exceeding joy. If ye, if ye be reproached, for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as murderers, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if there, if and if it first begin at a, at us, which shall end be of them 
that obey not the gospel of God, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to them, or to him, excuse me, in well-doing as the faithful creator. Tonight, this morning, I want to talk about God's word for today's world. God's word for today's world. You may be seated. Amen, amen. Now, I know you're tired here this morning, and that's no different than any other Sunday morning, right? But uh, I, I believe, I feel the Holy Ghost in here very strongly. I feel that God is doing something in some hearts here today. The four gospel writers devoted, if you study closely, they, uh, they record to those seemingly helpless hours of Jesus' life, His agony in the garden, arrest, trial, mocking, beating, and crucifixion. It was their, their gospels were devoted mostly to that and that alone. He, Jesus, he, he never sought public attention when performing miracles. His spectacular acts were done very quietly and often out of sight of the masses. If you, stood, if you read it, I, I, this is what mesmerizes me, it blows my mind, that he resisted the temptation to leap from the temple and reject the cries of Hosanna. He resisted the opportunity to punish his executioners. He resisted, or he received the whip and the spit, the nails and the curses without resistance. One of the most public things that he did, though, was it wasn't that he did miracles. It wasn't he. He didn't. He didn't show off. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't big-headed. But one of the things that was mostly publicly seen before man was that he suffered persecution. He suffered persecution. In our day, uh, no culture has been so averse to pain. We don't like it. I don't like to. Be, I don't like to hurt. I re- yesterday I walked through the yard of that prison, and on both sides, uh, we, we, we faced around 400 prisoners on both sides of us. There was gangs uh, of, of different color and race. And I was, I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared to death to walk through that place. I, I, I didn't let uh, Brother Horton know that. I didn't let Brother Rubel know that. But I was scared to death. More than anything, I was scared to death to feel the pain of somebody punching me out. I didn't want to face it. So I, I, people in this last day, or in this, in this society, they, they, they seek mood enhancers. They want to go around pain, pain relievers. Millions of people have their own personal counselors and therapists to help them avoid or cope against life's pain. Many people use many tools to avoid suffering, whether it be drugs, divorce, institutions, abortion, uh, euthanasia and other pain-avoiding mechanisms. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, some pain is just unavoidable. All individuals suffer to some degree. Becoming a Christian does not shield us from the pain and suffering. You know, that's why a lot of people uh, backslide because they come into the church and they expect, they expect, that God's going to fix all their issues and all their problems and all their pain's going to go away and they don't have to deal with it anymore. But that's not 
the case. Christians, uh, the good thing about that, regardless if you're in the world or in the church, you're going to experience pain. But the good thing about being in the church that we do have a a companion in our suffering. We do have a God that has understood where we stand. We have a God that understands uh, what it feels like to be rejected. We have a God that uh, through the power of Jesus Christ, He understands what it feels like to be mocked. He understands what it feels like to take every bit of sickness upon His uh, back when, uh, when He took the stripes on Calvary's hill. We have a God named Jesus Christ, a fervent and servant of our, uh, of our redemption. Peter said it. He said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery dart, a fiery which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Suffering is not strange. So don't be surprised if tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, you wake up and you have to suffer some kind of pain or persecution. Uh, I tell you, I, I say it a lot here. Uh, Sundays are nice because we come into the house of the Lord and we feel freedom in the Holy Ghost. But then, unfortunately, we have to go into a world that are constantly wanting to persecute us. They're constantly hating us. And the Bible said it. He said that you will suffer persecution for my name's sake. There's no way around it. We, you know, it's just suffering is not limited to the heathen or to the sinners, or is it limited towards the saints? It is universal. It's a universal aspect of life. A certain amount of suffering will come to everyone. Has anybody in here not ever suffered in your life? Ah, oh, come on. There's, I know, Brother Jake, I know there's, there's never been a day in your life where you woke up and you just... You're just perfect, right? Every single day. He's, he's lying. Everyone experiences the happenings of life. But when God allows a burden to be put upon a Christian, you can be uh, strengthened to know, rest assured, that He will see you through that. It's really quiet in here right now, isn't it? There you go. Everyone will experience pain in their life. Everyone will at some time experience uh, rejection in their life. When a person follows God, though, he can trust his leadership. God will empower the believer to bear and to endure and the suffering that we will go through. For example... If you study the life of Moses, the pain that he experienced through, uh, through, uh, in his life, you see uh, Hebrews 11 and 24 through 27 but it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the path of, of least resistance, if you will. He could have become... The Pharaoh's grandson, if you will. He refused to take the easy way out, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the uh, recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt. Say he forsook Egypt, 
not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Here's the point I want to make here. He forsook becoming the Pharaoh's uh, son or grandson, if you will. Why? Because he knew that if he did, that there was just going to be a short time that he would enjoy that pleasure. That's what the Bible says. That's why it is so important, church, that I know that there's times in the world that it looks more inviting, that it looks more pleasurable. It looks, more, uh, it looks a lot easier to live outside the church. But can I tell you, it's just for a, a few moments because there's going to come a time when we will reap the, uh, the things that we do. We will uh, reap the, uh, the lack of benefits, if you will, of sin. And that is why it is so important to come into the church and sit under a pastor. Somebody that's going to guide you. Somebody that's going to speak truth into our lives. I know it's, there's going to be hard times in the church. I know that there's people here, I could point them out, that have suffered pain in their life and is dealing with junk in their life right now as we speak. But they are still here. And I'll tell you why they're still here. It's because they have an understanding that one day, that there's going to come one that's going to split the eastern skies and is going to take them out of here. That scripture makes me feel good when it said, and there shall be no more sickness, no more death for the former Things are passed away. That's why we're here. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. My eyes are playing tricks on me today. I tried to go out and be, you know, I, had, I used to have paper all the time and, and print all my notes out. I had so much problems with that. So I tried to be uh, smart and go out and get this tablet. But I... I, I, I I ignored the fact that I'm from southern Illinois. And, and I'm kind of a redneck. So I'm still having to deal with this, with this technology. And, and it's horrible. I, I'm, I, I, this is basically what I, I'm used to. So I'm having to deal with this. I'm having to suffer through it. What I thought was going to be a pleasure. What I thought was going to benefit me has kicked me. I'm shooting myself in the foot right now reading this thing. But hopefully it's just for a few moments. Amen. When believers today catch a glimpse of Christ in their times of suffering and persecution, it causes their trials to fade while becoming more important. It is so vital. That is what is so vital to have a relationship with Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, it makes so much so much uh, so many things easier. It's, it makes it so much easier to be able to go through this junk. To realize that we're not alone. That Jesus Christ uh, suffered far more than what we'll ever do. And if he can look his accusers and the people that uh, uh, hurt him and look at them and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If he can do it, then we can go through the things and the turmoils of life. Lois Martin stated, life is a struggle. But it, it is good to have a struggle. It strengthens your character. This helps us to understand the reason for suffering in life. Have you ever... You remember back in your school, I, I used to go to school with kids. Whatever, their moms and dads had a lot of money. And everything that they got, 
Everything they got was handed to them. It was a life of luxury from where I stood. You know what I drove to school for a while? A dump truck that said Austin's Tree Service on it. I had sawdust on my pants every time I went to school, all over my pants and my shoes. That's what I drove. It was my dad's truck. And then I had to leave there, and I had to go home and split wood and work and cut trees. And, and, do, and then I had kids arrive at school. A buddy of mine had a brand-new 1993 Camaro with a V8 in it, the turbo package, and uh, he would make you take your shoes off every time you got in his car. He didn't know I got sawdust in the seat, though. But those, those people, I, 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 met, I see some of those people today when I go back home. You ought to see their lives and, and what kind of struggles they have in their lives. Because life was so, uh, was so easy on them for so long. I mean, they, they never had any problems. See, they, the worst thing they had to think of was, about was getting their homework done. That was it. Everything they had handed to them. They, they got a, a big, huge allowance, $100 a week for an allowance for a kid in school that didn't even do anything. I, I had to see that. I'm sure you all seen that too. And I had to work very hard for what I had. But I see those people today, and all of a sudden life hits them in the face, and they experience a little bit of pain or a little bit of, uh, of turmoil in their life, and their lives to this day are falling apart. They're either drunks, they're drug addicts, alcoholics, some of them's in jail. I had two days ago, I had a friend of mine, he, he died uh, from drugs and, and all that. They, but when you go through pain in your life, it molds you. The hard roads is a lot of times a lot better. It teaches you to, to be able to help other people. I don't like, I, I never like to go through the pain and struggles of my life. I went through things in my childhood that I, I wouldn't wish upon anybody, but I look back and I see it and I, it could have hurt me. It could have torn me down. It could have made me lesser than what I am. But you know what I did? I had to make up my mind somewhere in my life that I am not going to uh, let those be a stumbling blocks. I'm going to allow those to be rocks that I could just walk on. It molds you. It, it makes, makes people better. Pain makes people better. I know that sounds odd, but it does. It, it makes us tough. It makes us have grit. But it, it still hurts. A proper understanding of suffering may, may help believers cope, but it will not ever take away the pain and suffering. And so the, the best thing to do when you're in the middle of it is just face it on. Head it on. I remember uh, watching, uh, you can get on YouTube, and there was a, there's some footage. It's amazing, uh, amazing footage. It was when that uh, hurricane uh, it, it, that hit Japan, or excuse me, that, that, uh, there was an earthquake, and there, then there was a tsunami that hit uh, Japan. And there was a wall of water that they knew it was coming in. They'd seen it from the satellite. And uh, the ships that docked in the harbor, they left there, were all destroyed. But I've seen footage of ships, and they had cameras on these ships. And it was the scariest thing that I could ever imagine. And they faced that wall of water. It was a hundred-something-foot wall of water. They faced it on. But they were the only ships 
that were not sunk in the bottom of the sea. The people that take the path of least resistance are the ones that falter. People that are always trying to find another way around their trial and not face it. They're the ones that end up in the bottom of the sea. But when you uh, just plant your feet, stand on solid ground, and face the things that are trying to destroy you, you will prevail. You will prevail. Circumstances do not have the power to mold us. But hear me, and hear me well. Rather, it is the reaction to those circumstances that shape us. It's the reaction. And I want to make a point here today. If you remember, and I've used it a couple times, but it's a very good example. Two men taking the same exact path, knew the same exact Jesus. One named Peter, one named Judas. They were both failures. Judas was a betrayer. And Peter was a denier. Which one was worse? Can somebody tell me which one was worse? If you say either one of them was worse, you're wrong. Because betraying the Savior wasn't any worse than the one that denied His, exist, his existence. Actually, let me go back. It's a little worse to deny His existence, if you ask me. And Peter denied His existence not only once, not twice, but three times. And he didn't just deny Him three times. He was warned. It was in the back of his mind. He was prepared for it, and he still done it. Who was worse? Peter or Judas, they both were failures, both facing pain, both facing uh, the, the turmoils of life. It wasn't what they did that defined their name. Because if you study their name, Peter rep means rock, foundation, surety. Judas, anybody know anybody named Judas? Nobody wants to be remembered as Judas. Do you know anybody named Judas? There's a band called Judas Priest, right? That's the only guys I've ever heard named. I don't know anybody named Judas. I don't know anybody that would want to name their kid Judas because it's tied to being a traitor, a failure. But you know what determined their names to, be, to, to mean that? It wasn't their failures. It wasn't their shortcomings. But it was their reaction to what happened after they failed. You're not... Your life's not mapped out and determined by how much you fall or how bad you suffer. But it will always be remembered. Your name will always be remembered to how you react after you feel pain or after you feel or, or, or fail. So it, it's not about what you, how you feel or how much you fail. It's about how you react to what happens after. Because Judas, his life told the story of how he couldn't handle what had happened. He wraps a rope around his neck and jumps out of a tree. 
The same, and he, he, he experienced the same things that Jesus, uh, that Peter experienced. He slept by his side, seen the exact same miracles, ex- experienced the same exact revival. And I think it's a picture of the two people in church that, that go one direction and the other goes the other direction. You know, and so, but here's Judas, he, he kills himself, but Peter... Fifty days approximately, fifty days after his pain and his sorrow, he's preaching the book of Acts, Acts 2, the greatest message that was ever preached. He preached it, and it was fifty days after he failed. And he had some, something had to hit him, or come to his mind to say, I, I refuse to let sin, or I refuse to let pain dictate my life. I'm going to, to, to make something out of myself. I accept forgiveness. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm not staying right here. All kinds of, of circumstances of, of pain. A Christian will encounter various types of physical suffering. Some are brought on by weakness of flesh or by sickness. Others are uh, persecuted from outside sources. A Christian is not exempt from physical suffering, as a lot of us know here. Some diseases are brought on by sinful habits before we come into the church, but others intrude upon a person who has endeavored to live a pure life. Case in point, uh, Amber Sullivan Todd. Uh, she's laying in a hospital, uh, gave 18 years of her life uh, to the foreign, to missions in, in the Philippines. Never drank a drop of alcohol in her life, but she just had to give her, get a liver transplant because she was suffering from cirrhosis of the liver. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I've thought about it. I've asked about it. I've, I've wondered about it. I, Shane Sullivan, her brother, good man, never backslid, never done. I, I just, just a wonderful man. He comes back from the Philippines, and he has a brain tumor. Brother Sullivan give his life to the ministry, preached the gospel, set the place on fire, built colleges, built schools, uh, built uh, just incredible man of God. He comes back and he has stomach problems and they had to do umpteen surgeries on him. Sister Carolyn Sullivan, same thing, gave her life, sacrificed as a mother, sacrificed not seeing her grandbabies for years and comes back and she has cancer. Being a believer is not a ticket to a trouble-free existence in this earth. But it is a ticket to a trouble-free existence to a new world when Jesus comes back to get her home. Why are these people so uh, willing to sacrifice their life? Why are these people so willing to give so much of their life? I'll tell you why. Because they have an understanding of what's going to happen after the life. They know that this suffering and this pain is just for a while. So they're willing. They're willing to suffer. They're willing to stand. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. 
I'm going to tell you, those of you that have ever thought about walking out of the church and, and walking away because life sometimes is a little too hard for you. And outside of the doors of this church, it's a, it's a little more pleasurable. It's a little bit, it's a little more fun. If you feel that way, I, I, I want you to, to, to try and resist the thought of just having a temporary fix for your problems. I want you to try to look into the future and realize that if you choose the life of leisure, you will find yourself losing out in the long run. Look at Lot. He looks, he's looking, he's looking down at a barren land. Everything around him's dead. It had to be because what he chose out there in Sodom was far better than where he was standing. So the first thing he thought was, it's easier. It's a path of least resistance. There's no pain there. there I, I'm going to flourish more. You can have this, Abraham, Uncle Abraham. You can stand here. You're rich enough. You can flourish here. And I know I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but look where he ended up. He ended up in a city that destroyed his family, that took away his wife, that turned his daughters in, 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 into uh, whatever they turned into be. And Abraham standing in a barren place, and God made his people greater than any nation in the world. Just because it looks easier doesn't mean it's going to be easier. You say, well, it's hard. I know the devil's got me in his crosshairs and he, he's after me in the church. It's a lot easier for me to walk out and just, just, just think about it. Use common sense for a minute. I would rather him to be after me than him to have me. And the devil's not going to fight after somebody that he already has because the battle in his mind's already won and you're already a failure. Hmm. Well, I didn't... I'm, we'll go on, okay? <laughs> Even the presence of our enemy. This. Oh, I, 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 see, here I go again. I'm getting ahead of myself. The psalmist alluded to to the expected experience of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He expected it. Though I walk through the shadow of walking through it, notice something, though. He never stayed. He was persistent. Even in the presence of our enemies, God will prepare a table before us. In other words, He will sustain us. When we're going through our hell, when we are going through our pain and our sorrow of loss, whether we lose family members or just or whatever it is, we have the presence of God. He said, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, when you eat, when, you, when, when I give to you food, when I give to you life, you're going to be right in the middle of the enemy. Right in the middle of pain. But everything else is going to be, uh, is, it's going to be irrelevant. Because I'm in your presence. 
It should be enough. The presence of the Lord should be enough. The path of persecution, it can become bearable. Sometimes it might even include moments of glory. We would never know what it's like to have victory if we never had a battle. We would never know what it's like to have a healing happen in our bodies if we would never have pain or sickness. And so therefore, we would never have a testimony. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody wants to see a resurrection, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to see a miracle and a healing, but nobody's willing to get sick. But it's in those times. You hear me? Listen to me. The Bible says that it's because of our testimonies that we are overcomers. God uses our pain to, to heal us so that we can have testimonies so that we can therefore overcome. I hope you got that. For which cause we faint not, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but a, for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen to what he said. He said... A light affliction. That's Paul talking. That's the one that was stoned five times. Forty stripes, save one. Thirty-nine times. It was beat three times with a rod that was boiled in oil. Not John. That was stoned outside of Lystra. Shipwrecked. Beaten, chased out of every place he could go to, to, to. He said it was a light affliction. Well, that ain't that bad. That's not too, that's, that's easy. How could he say it was easy? Let me tell you how he could say it was easy. <laughs> While we look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. The light affliction that he suffered. He understood. He said it was light because it's just going to be for a time. But it's not going to compare to what I get on the other side. It's light. My pain, it's easy. My pain and loss. Loss of friends, loss of parents, loss of children, loss of grandchildren. It's easy compared to what He's prepared for us. Our outward man may perish, and we may suffer sickness in our physical body, but all the while our spiritual man can be renewed day by day. The sufferings of our physical bodies endure are only temporal, and they are short-lived. When our inner person is renewed, however, we are dealing with eternal elements. The sufferings of this life are brief compared to the eternal glory that is to follow. When the Bible says that weeping may endure for the night, but you can rest assured that joy will come in the morning. There's going to be times when you go through a lot of pain and suffering. But can I tell you, if you stay the course, if you have the right attitude, 
then you will find joy. Hmm. There's some circumstances that comes our way. Oh, we don't. This is the part. I guarantee it. You're going to get really quiet on me, okay? I was. I almost. I almost erased some of this. Have you ever done that? You thought about skipping over because you didn't want anybody throwing tomatoes at you or something? Okay. Well, we're not alone. Some suffering that comes our way is brought on by circumstances. <laughs> Actually, I'm telling you, I'm ha- this thing here is jumping on me. I, I, hold on. Let me go back. I'm going back to paper. Does anybody want to buy a tablet? <laughs> Excuse me. I'll go back. Okay. Some of the Christians suffer. It is self-induced. People bring things upon themselves. I remember my dad, was a, he was a gang member in East St. Louis. And some of the things that he done, and, and that's his, his testimony. It's amazing if you've ever heard his testimony. But I remember being a kid. When I was a kid, we come home. Wednesday night church service. God is good. Had a great service. Pastor preached. We come home. There was lights on their house. We could see the doors open. My dad stopped at the end of the driveway, probably from here to Sister Graves. He stops. And he goes around the place and looks around. There's nobody there. He goes inside. Nobody's in there. But when we all went in there, our furniture was all turned over. Our books, bookcase was all flipped over. Dishes were broken. They went through the house. They stole my dad's guns. They stole a bunch of silver coins and uh, a, gun coll- a coin collection that he had collected for, for years and things that are, meant things to our family. It was gone. Presents that our, uh, us kids had gotten, it was gone. And I was so angry. I remember being, uh, I was probably seven years old. And I remember sitting down, I was mad. Somebody stole our plate. Somebody come broke in our home. I was I was ticked off, and my dad, he I remember he sat down on the couch, and he said, "Well, he said everything's going to be all right." And I was thinking, how in the what, how can you say that? He said, "Well, he said I'm reaping what I sowed." He said because I remember, and he started crying. He said, "I used to do this." I said, huh? What are you talking about? He said, this is how I used to make my living. He said, I'm reaping what I sowed. And he could have gotten mad. <laughs> he, could have, he could have got ticked off. But he, he, I'm sure he was frustrated. But he realized that he had brought some of that on to himself. And a lot of, a lot of times, folks, listen to me, we suffer uh, because of things that we have done. Here's where I'm going to get in trouble. Sometimes we suffer in body. We don't feel too good because we had an extra large pizza before we went to bed the night before. Nobody in here likes pizza more than me. But I guarantee it, if I ate an extra large pizza before I went to bed, there's going to be some horrible nightmares and I'm going to be tormented the whole night and I'm going to get up feeling like I've been beat with a bag of oranges. You ever felt that way? 
And you know what we do? We get up and we go, why in the world am I hurting? Why am I hurt? God, I thought you were a healer. I I thought, uh, what's wrong? Why can't you hear me? And we get frustrated with God. And all the time, it's because we're reaping things that we sowed. We don't want to hear that. I know. But we've all done it. How many times have you got on that bike and rode that bike? And you got up the next morning, you go, man, I don't know why in the world I'm feeling this way. And you had to hear it, didn't you, Sister Robertson? You, yeah, he's reaping it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring this. I didn't mean to. I apologize. Oh, Sister Roberts, I want you to come up here and teach the rest of this. <laughs> I'm telling you that a lot of things that we do, a lot of things that we say, end up hurting us in the long run. The reason that Paul, another reason that Paul said it was a light affliction, because look at look what he done in his life. He killed Christians. He stands by and watches them kill a man named Stephen when Stephen's repenting for him. How could you do something like that? And so he gets saved, and you would expect it to all be under the blood. And he gets persecuted, beaten, stoned. And so he says it's a light affliction. And because he understood, he said, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. I'm a prisoner. That's where I was. Such were some of you. He said, one that said that, such were some of you. Now, but now you're washed. He realized that he was washed, but he realized that a lot of the persecution and a lot of the pain that he was suffering was because of something that he had done prior. But how many times, really, how many times has God cleaned up our mess? How many times has He even healed our bodies, even though that he, he, we know good and well that we're the cause of it, we're the reason of it? He does, He does it. And a lot of pain and worry and a, a thing happened because a lot of the things that we worry about hasn't even happened yet. How many, how many times have you ever laid in bed and go, man, I, I, I'm worried about this, and you worry and worry, and you, you, you don't sleep all night, and then you get up the next morning and none of it happened? It's, it's brought on. You know, we do it, every one of us. It's brought on by ourselves. We're going to suffer from pain. We're going to do, but we've got to understand that uh, we reap what we sow. And if, uh, we need to be willing to take what comes back to us and learn from it and teach our kids from it. There's things I can tell my kids. Hey, son, don't do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to eat that large pizza, son. They don't listen. Who eats it? He said he eats it. See, he didn't learn his lesson yet. There was a story uh, is told of a woman who was sitting in her house looking out the window. Tears were streaming down her face as she, she rocked herself back and forth. Someone asked her why she was crying. She said, I was sitting here looking at that big oak tree in the backyard and I, and I got really worried. What if one day I get married and have children? Perhaps my little girl would grow up and marry and bear children. What if one day my grandchildren would come to visit me and be playing under that oak tree? 
my grandson might fall out and break his leg. Isn't that sad? And she resumed herself and cried and sobbed. A lot of the things that we, we go through and worry about hasn't even taken place. We conjure it up in our mind and we make it bigger than what it really is. And it causes us problems, health problems. It causes us mental problems and anguish. Psalm 73, it was Asaph that indulged in self, self-pity uh, or self-induced uh, suffering when he said, truly God is good to Israel. You can see him pouting in a corner. He's crying. He's having a pity party. Even to such as are, are of a clean heart, as for me, my feet are almost gone. You can hear almost like hear a, a George Jones song in the background, can't you? And a steel guitar and a, and a fiddle. He, he's, he's got, you can picture him standing there in a the corner. He's got his little beer and he's crying. Truly God is good to Israel. It seems as though that God is good to them and not to me. And my life's falling apart because it, it looks as though that the heathen, they get, uh, and the wicked, they always get, reap the good things and the benefits. It's, it's the wicked that always get the lottery tickets. And if you are playing lottery tickets, you never mind. But it seems as though that everybody else is getting good. But as for me, he says, my feet were almost gone. Man, that would be a good country song. We ought to write that. Make a lot of money. He said, My steps are well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. Man, you would have to be low down to envy the fool. <laughs> That's how far he'd come. That's how he conjured all this up in his mind. He said, When I saw the press prosperity of the wicked for their ha- there are no bands in their death but their strength is firm they are not in trouble as other men neither are they plagued like other men which is a lie it's, it was truly a lie he was believing this he conjured it up in his mind because he didn't re- what he was thinking was the grass is greener on the other side the fact was the people on the other side was probably looking at him saying, Man, I wish I was like him. The psalmist was looking through the carnal eyes and he didn't clearly understand the facts. A Christian should be aware that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Somebody else's life that appears to be better than yours or they suffer from less pain. I'm telling you, there's people in this church that they look happy and they look like everything's going... But you don't hear from them. They hide their pain. Can I use you for a minute, Brother Sims? Can I? You won't be... You won't whoop me after church. You don't... This guy here, look at him. He's always smiling. And there's people that say, oh, that guy, he, he's a hard worker, got a good business, has good skills, has good uh, trade. He can, do, he can do everything. He could go out and make good money if he wants. You don't see his pain that he goes through. You don't see what he has to go through to help his wife get ready. And is self-ready. And he suffers from pain in his own body. You don't see it. It's hidden. He hides it. Because he's willing to face it. I've talked to him over and over. 
Oh, I know you're not perfect, and, but, but give, um, the Bible says give honor where honor's due. And you deserve it. You have stood the test of time and you're a strong man for even taking it, for will, being willing to take care of your wife and your home. But you don't see that pain and suffering that he goes through. And it's easy to look back and go, man, I wish I was like that. Or, but he hides it. Everybody has pain and suffering. Some people just are, that you, you notice it more because they're always griping about it. So in Asaph, he's a, he's a griper. He's, he's a whiner. He says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and I have washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. I, I can't get a break. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is, night or day, I'm in trouble. I feel pain all the time. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. When I got to thinking about it, think about it. That's what he was saying. The more I get to thinking about it, the, the, the more depressed that I am. It's what he said. He said, to me, it's too painful for me to think about. The psalmist was sorrowful and suffering for, in, for self-induced reasons. He had to change his attitude before he could live an overcoming life. Somehow, the Christian must shake the self-induced, self-pity attitude and start being willing to face their problems and their pain. Suffering itself is not a virtue. The quality... Listen to me. The quality of the response of suffering, however, is the display of virtue. I look at people like the Sullivans that's went through. And if you see Brother Sullivan, if you're on Facebook, you see what he puts on there. He's, you know he's going through pain. I was getting inside scoop from my sister. My sister is his daughter-in-law, and she was calling me and telling me what kind of junk that they were going through. They were about to lose Amber. She was on her deathbed. Doctors have no, no say-so. Say so, uh, they, can't, they can't figure out. They can't do anything for her. She's going to die. And Brother Sullivan, at the very moment, he's on there saying, Glory be to God. God's a healer. God's a miracle worker. I love God. It was his reaction to, this, the, to the, the pain and suffering. A person who sighs and complains while suffering will never rate very high on the virtuous scale. But a martyr or somebody that's willing to take it, they're the ones that are virtue, have virtue. But finally, Asaph, he comes to his senses. And the psalmist came to see the actual condition of his own foolish heart, his own foolish way of thinking. This is what he said. Until I went into the sanctuary, that's when I understood therein. When I actually got in the presence of God, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. He realized that the people that he was looking at and envying their way of life, envying their lifestyle, he realized when he got in the presence of God, he realized that those people that he once envied were on slippery ground. In other words, they weren't firm. They were prone to failure. They were prone to fall. They weren't going to stand the test of time. When one little thing comes their way, pain-wise, they will falter. 
He said, Thou canest them down, uh, excuse me, casteth them, them, them down into to destruction. He realized that their fate would be destruction. And how they are brought into desolation. As in a, in a moment, he said, they are utterly consumed with terrors. What he thought once was a blessing, what looked like a blessing, became a terror. When a person turns to God for understanding, he is helped to see more clearly. Being in the presence of God is the best cure for self-pity and self-loathing. Oh my! You, you, you've seen it. You've seen it over and over. We, we've we've done it. We, we've we've seen people flourish outside in the world. The I worked at IU and I I, I had to park my ninety two Le Saber. I love that car. I got a good deal on that car. I love that car. My wife hates it. She hates that car. I think she would secretly blow it up just. She hates it. She won't. She she hates to ride in it. That thing, it, it's a. I call it a floater. It just floats down the highway. Sometimes it floats in the wrong direction because you. It's, it's, I, I better be careful. I'm gonna talk myself out into liking it. I'm gonna hate it before it's over with. But I, I feel like ASAP sometimes. I'm, I see these people. I, I had to. I hate parking that thing, even though I do love it. I hate parking that thing next to a Mercedes Benz. I mean, it doesn't look too bad when it's by itself. It looks even better when you cross your eyes and look at it. You can't see all the blemishes in it. But when you put it beside a nice Cadillac or a nice Ford... You know, Ford is giving away a free puppy. A free puppy every time you buy a new car. And the reason is because they don't want you to be alone when you have to walk home. <laughs> Watch him. He's going to come and park his car next to my old blue car. He's going to do it. But I like that car. But I found myself, when I was working at IU, all those professors and smart people and rich people. I parked my car next to them, and I found myself going, man, I think I should have I done something else with my life, you know? And, and then I get to thinking, man, if I, if I just had that. And there's times you just feel, you, you feel less than what you are. You start feeling sorry for yourself. And then you start going, well, I wish I could give my kids a little more. I, I, I wish I could make a better life for my family. I wish I had a nicer house. I wish I had a nicer car. Come on, you've all felt that way. But let's, let, let's just get down to brass tacks. You can have nothing and have everything. Jesus Christ... He didn't even have a place to lay his head. He, everything he, Jesus had, he, he borrowed. He borrowed a womb. 
he didn't have a place to lay his head. He had to borrow a rock somewhere to lay his head down. He had to borrow a donkey. He had to borrow, he had to borrow a tomb. The only thing he ever purchased was you. That's the first thing he ever purchased. That's the first and only thing Jesus ever purchased. Everything else, he, he picked up bread and it turned... I mean, everything was borrowed. The only thing he ever bought was... A, but look how rich we are. Even though we have to, to face obstacles and, and go through pain and, and suffer rejection and go through hardships and, and, and look in our bank account and see it dwindling away with no money, look how rich we are. I see those, I've seen those people out there and I... They don't know God. Some of them don't believe in God. Some of them don't even know if there is a God. Whatever. They do not understand truth. And what they have will not get them on the other side. What we've got, what we've got eternally waiting for us is far greater than what we could ever have here or ever suffer here. Anything that we ever go through here is going to be worth it. Every trial... Every tribulation, every bit of loss, every bit of pain, it will be a drop in the bucket compared to what God has prepared for His church. Don't, don't get down on yourself and say, oh, I, wish, I wish I could do a little. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do better. But don't beat yourself up because you don't have this or have that. Or you have to go through this. You're much better off than the ones in the world. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I recall, and I'm coming to a close. I recall being in, in when I was in Palau. I've, I've talked about this before, but it was life changing. It was life changing. Uh, if you've never been on, on out of the country like that, if you you know, you, you owe it to yourself to do, at least do it once. Just just go once. It, it'll show you how truly blessed you are. I went to, I'll never forget it. Went to that church and there was a man there that, that went to that church. I know he had met him. Uh, he was there when you were there. And uh, he was a Filipino guy. And he had, he had came to pull out. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the guys and the folks from the Philippines were actually slaves. And, and, and they, they had uh, whatever hanging over their head. But they were bound to those people in Palau, and that's how they made their money. But this one particular guy, he showed up to church early. Every service, he was there early. And he walked about three miles to that church. He, worked, he was on the construction crew, Brother Robertson. On that, no, actually the bridge was done uh, you know, when when you go to the other side of the island, that's really not accessible. And me and Brother Williams had to rent a car to go there. It took us two and a half hours to get there. And there was that big rock building. You know where that big rock thing is out there on the ocean? It, he had to walk three miles to Sister Helga's church from that little construction. They was putting in a road there. He walked there to church. And he carried a pair of shoes with him. I know he carried those extra shoes, but he had extra pair of shoes, and he had his Bible with him and his little uh, lunch that he ate. He walked three miles to church. He got to church early, and that's where me and Brother Williams were staying. And he got when he got there, he left. He put his church shoes at the front of uh, 
his, his other shoes at the front of the door. And he worked on the church. He worked on the church. <laughs> and until church started. He went in 30 minutes before church started and he prayed. And he had church. And he, he was the one that got the Holy Ghost on Easter morning. But Sister Helga told me, she said, he pays his tithe every time that he gets paid. He pays his tithe. He made like 2 or $3 an hour. He sent three quarters of his money after he paid his tithing to the Philippines to his wife and daughter. And she said, Brother Hill, you know how he eats? Most of the time it's out of a trash can. And he was so faithful to God. And I remember when I bought him a soda pop, he wept and he bowed to me over and over and over. We dropped him off at church. He had to walk to his We couldn't get it, make it up to his house. There was holes in his driveway. And it was an absolute ramshack shack. It was worse than any goat shed that I have ever seen. And him and about 10 or 12 other people stayed in it. We dropped him off at his house and he stood at the end of his driveway. And because he wanted to honor the man or men of God, he bowed to us. We had to go around and turn and he never left. And he bowed to us until we were out of sight. And he went back into that house. But he smiled through the whole thing. He had an understanding of the pain and the suffering in this life. But he knew something was on the other side. And he was willing to face it because it was worth it to him. We should never be weary in well-doing. Because there's something greater on the other side. Let's stand this morning. The Lord is truly good to us. He has truly blessed us. What we think poor is riches to somebody else. There's, there's nobody in this room in this place that is poor. There's nobody in this place that have went through what that, that is in the same lifestyle as that poor man that I just described. We should be happy. Don't gripe because you have to eat McDonald's because you ain't got enough money to go to this roadhouse. There you go. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the blessings... That he's given us. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. I can never repay. My worst days in the church. Is far better than any, any great day I thought would be in the world. It is wonderful to serve a God. Let's come tonight uh, and, and pray men. Let's go downstairs. I, I, I want every man that, that, to raise their hands. That, that's going to be down there in the prayer room. I want, you, I want to obligate you. I want, I want to see your hands. If you're going to be here tonight, I'd love to see you in the prayer room. We need you down there. We don't just want you, but we need you. We have some powerful prayer meetings tonight. Tonight is going to be a great night. And you, ladies have prayer meetings. Is it in the prayer room or in the sanctuary that you all have prayer? I, oh, in the ladies' prayer room. Please, ladies, go. And uh, if you're just a visitor, if you come, just come up. Come down, men. And go to the ladies' prayer room, ladies. And we're, we're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost tonight. 
In Jesus' name, bless you. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, and tell somebody that they're blessed.